You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, White Snake's got a new album out. It's called The Purple Album, and they're about to launch the world tour, The Purple Tour. It's David Coverdale singing all the songs from his career, including the Deep Purple songs. All right, it's starting next week, May 28th, here in the States, and the new record is out now, and that means, how timely is it? I've got White Snake singer, former Deep Purple singer, David Coverdale on TIJ today. He is so funny, man. Super English, super British, super funny. I don't don't know how we're going to edit this interview with all the curse words that he gave me christopher he called me christopher the whole time the the new white snake purple album is a tribute to his friend former bandmate deep purple keyboard player john lord who passed away from pancreatic cancer in 2012 David has some great memories of John Lord. He's one of those guys that everybody loved. One of the favorites of Lars Ulrich as well. He's also got some great White Snake stories to share. He's rock and roll royalty. We're going to get it on with David Coverdale. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride because it's Friday. It's And I'm on tour right now with Fozzie opening up for Slash. we got some great stories to tell you about that. Let's kick it off with God Pounds His Nails first and foremost right here on Talk is Jericho. I want to hear you sing along. Hey, 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 one, two, three, crank it up.
from Fozzy and we are uh, currently on the road with Slash got a big show uh, in Austin, Texas tonight then we're going to Beaumont, Texas tomorrow doing a show on our own then Saturday it's Houston Sunday and it's Dallas Uh, we did Chicago last Monday it was just a quick in and out uh, tour but a very very cool tour I'm treating it almost like an audition in that we didn't get the normal money that we make when we do our shows, but this is a tour that you don't do for money. Like when I had Duff McKagan on TIJ a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, you don't play music for the money. Obviously, you have to make a living and you want to be able to support yourself, but sometimes you got to get in a van and go travel the country just to play some rock and roll. And touring with Slash is a big deal, uh, at least uh, I think... When you have a band like Fozzy, we've got a great fan base, a big fan base, but you constantly want to grow that. And when you're playing in front of Slash's crowd, you got thousands of people there. Both shows that we've done so far uh, have been sold out. Um, the show we did in Austin tonight was sold out. The show we did in Chicago was sold out. The Houston show is sold out. Dallas probably will sell out. That's good for us because we're on the bill. It wasn't sold out when we were added to the bill. But it's also a great mix, Fozzie and Slash, two bands that we've got a great party vibe. A lot of girls come to our shows. People come and have fun. They chant, hey, 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 one, two, three at a Fozzie show, you know, and they get a chance to listen to Sweet Child of Mine, you know, at the Slash show and everything in between. So the mix is great. The camaraderie is great. Obviously, Slash, uh, Talk is Jericho alumni, Brent Fitz and Todd Kearns from Slash's band. I went to high school with them in Winnipeg. We've played in Coverboy together. So it's a very laid back, cool vibe. Like the first night for us in Chicago, we went through our gear and found out that my inner ear pack, the 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 little uh, kind of remote controlled pack that I use to sing without uh, inner ears, they're called. You put the little uh, earbud in your ear, and it goes to your pack, and the pack goes across the room to another rig, and that's how I can hear myself when I'm singing. Forgot the pack, it left it in uh, in the warehouse in Atlanta where we store all our gear. Now, if we were opening for a band we didn't know, you'd be in a little bit of a, of a conundrum. You'd have a problem. 
the fact that we know Slash and we know Fitz. I just went to Fitz and said, man, can you get us a pack? And they had us a pack like in five minutes, you know. So that type of camaraderie is invaluable. And the show itself, when we went out to, to you know, get on stage and the lights go out, no pun intended, and we start our intro, people were cheering and yelling and screaming. And that's always a good feeling because you never know what you're going to get when you're opening for another band. But we've played Chicago quite a few times, and we had quite a few Fozzie fans that were there to see us. So right off the bat, it was a great vibe. And plus our band, if you've seen us, you know we've got a really cool, electrical, energetic performance. It's a very fun, high-energy show, and it's infectious. When you see us having a good time, that rubs off. So we went and did a great set. It was only half an hour long, but we did seven songs and just crushed it. I think all the songs really went over well, including SOS, including God Pounds His Nails, which you just heard. That was from Chasing the Grail a few years ago. But um, when we came off the stage afterwards, uh, I, I, I went past Slash's dressing room, and he called me in. He's like, dude, that was great. He goes... It was really cool. He goes, SOS is so intense. I forgot you guys did that. I've heard it before, and I like it. But you know, hearing you guys do it live was really cool. And he said that was definitely the best double bill of the tour so far. And that's the type of confidence that you want uh, from the headliner. That's the type of reaction you want. And he's like, I- I'm glad you guys did these shows. I'm sorry it's such a short tour. I'd like to do a longer tour. And I said to him, listen, man, this is just an audition for us. It's not about the money. It's about showing you that you have a band that you can trust to open the show correctly. It's going to give off a good vibe so that people are ready to, to party with you when you come out. And um, I think it's a great bill. So hopefully we get a chance to do more shows with those guys. I think it's a great mix. It's a great bill. And it was funny, too, because early in the day, I was walking to the car to get my stuff, and I was walking back, and Slash got off his bus. He goes, hey, Chris, come here. So I went on his bus, and he showed me some of his dinosaur books. As you know, Slash and I big dinosaur fans and kind of uh, getting into some discussion about some new species that were discovered and that sort of thing. And then we shot the breeze for a bit, and then I went inside to, to go you know, do sound check. And I was just laughing. Like I remember when I was probably 16 or 17, hanging outside of Guns N' Roses bus, in Winnipeg at the arena, hoping that you know Slash would come out so we could you know get his autograph or take a picture with him. And here I am, you know, 25 years later, and Slash is calling me onto his bus. So once again, life is cool if you believe in yourself and believe in your in, in dreams that they can come true uh, and they will come true. So stick it out. You know, like I said, the chance that we're getting a chance to open for Slash this week is a huge huge honor for Fozzie but we're, we're there to crush it you know we want to make a mark and we want people to know who we are and we want to make some new fans and we want to impress Slash and his crew and his management and everyone involved so that we can do more shows with them that's that's exactly what you have to do no matter how high up on the food chain you are there's always new people to impress and there's always opportunities that you can get that you have to uh, make the most of them so it's a really cool time I'm really excited and um it's funny. They announced this week who the new host of America's Funniest Videos is, Alfonso Ribeiro. A few weeks ago when I was telling you about the gig that I almost got and didn't get, that was it. <laughs> I was almost the new host for America's Funniest Home Videos. I actually had a screen test for it. Not an audition. I actually did a, an episode of the show where I was in front of a crowd. and There was a lot of Y2J fans in that crowd. I'm surprised it didn't get out. Um, but yeah, so I had the audition and I had a lot of great comments and I had, you're doing great. We love you. And then I had, sorry, you finished in second place. So there you go. Uh, if anything happens to Alfonso where he can't continue his duties as the host, maybe they'll call me. If not, no problem, man. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And then you have the facts of life, right? You take the good, you take the bad, and then you're both in the union's on the now.
I loved uh, Nancy McKeon back in those days. I thought she was way hotter than Blair. Anyone agree with me on that? Anyone? Hello? Anyone? Anyone? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? So anyways, uh, I hope you uh, are enjoying the show so far. David Coverdale is here. He's so funny. A proper English gentleman, but a little bit of a rogue. He calls me Christopher all the time. Now, let me say this, Christopher. So uh, you're going to get a laugh out of that. You're also going to get a laugh out of my new digital series, Nothing to Report on Comedy Central. We're over 1 million views, and I thank you for that. In just over a month, we did 1 million views. It's broken the records of Comedy Central's digital series uh, numbers that they've had before. It's the quickest uh, series to get to a million views. If you haven't seen it, go check it out now on YouTube or ComedyCentral.com. There's six episodes, five minutes each, just little bite-sized morsels of comedic genius. Uh, the more you watch it, the more it helps out me and helps out the show, nothing to report, because... If we continue to get great numbers, we will uh, hopefully get a chance to do more shows and do uh, maybe a, a proper pilot or maybe even a series. That's the overall goal here is to do a series on, with Cam Comedy Central. So uh, keep watching if you have not watched it. And if you have seen it, go check it out again. Go watch your favorite episode, Racism, uh, Partners, The Shootout. There's a lot of good stuff to check out there. So if you have watched it, I appreciate that. And I thanks for all the other things that I'm doing coming up. Tough Enough starts June 23rd on the USA Network. That's going to be a blast. We're still putting together the format of that. And, of course, I'm a couple weeks away uh, from my return to the WWE. 19 dates, all live events. No TVs or pay-per-views at this point in time. The Y2J WWE Summer Tour. I know some of the dates haven't even been officially announced by WWE, but when they are, I will be there. But for the first couple months, it's Springfield, Illinois on June 12th, Terre Haute, on the 13th, 20th, Las Vegas, 27, Boston, 28, Reading, Pennsylvania, July 2nd, Singapore, July 3rd, Tokyo, Japan, July 4th, Tokyo, Japan versus Finn Balor, who was on Talk is Jericho uh, last episode, burning up the charts. People went nuts that Finn was on the show. It's going to be amazing. Come check that out. Phillies, July 10th. Uh, July 11th in Pittsburgh and July 31st in San Diego. A bunch of dates to follow in August, but those ones haven't even been announced yet. So uh, I hope to see all of you guys there and rocking with me. I'm really excited. I know I got Wade Barrett for some of the shows. Obviously, Finn Balor in Tokyo. A lot of people are saying, you said you have to buy a ticket to see Finn Balor, but we don't live in Japan. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I guess, a Japanese exclusive, but I'm sure you'll hear all about it. Maybe we'll get a chance to do it in the States as well. So, um, David Coverdale is going to be here. You probably know him best as the singer of Whitesnake. Here I go again on my own. But he also had a great run with the amazing Deep Purple. He talks all about his relationship with guitar player Richie Blackmore, what it was like writing with him, and also shares stories about Deep Purple keyboard player John Lord, who passed away in 2012. David's still rocking. He's about to, ready to kick off the White Snake World Tour, starting in the States on May 28th, in support of White Snake's new album, The Purple Album, a tribute to David's days in Deep Purple. That is out now. You know, David is 63. He's in great physical shape. He's looking good. He's got a great head of hair, like I talked about with Duff a few weeks ago. you got to have that hair if you want to continue to rock you like to watch new stuff right well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time like vanderpump villa the new docudrama starring lisa vanderpump where first class luxury meets world-class drama a new season of the kardashians starring the kardashians of course and grand cayman secrets in paradise the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical caribbean it's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Talk is Jericho. Got Mr. David Coverdale here. One of the most. <laughs> yes, sir. My boy. 
How are you, dear heart? I'm, do- I'm, I'm running a little bit late. I do offer my apologies for that. It, it's no problem. It's funny, though, because I was just kind of sitting here. Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to talk to the old snake. God knows. <laughs> <laughs> they want to get to you while they still can. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, coming, we're actually coming to the cutoff point now because it's, it's kind of interfering with my uh, vocal stamina workout. The body's doing good, you know, but I've got to really apply myself more. You know, why don't you, when you're 63 years old, go out on a White Snake World Tour? And I'll tell you what, why don't you add some songs you wrote in your early 20s for good measure? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. When you, when you listen back to some of those tracks, I mean, there, there are some high, high melodies being sang there. How, how do you do that? What do you do? Um, I don't know. Grab my genitalia and go for it. Uh, uh, yeah, extraordinarily tight Calvin Klein. I don't know. It's, it's singing, singing with this band. It's a pleasure for me, Christopher. It's amazing to uh, to be driven. I'll listen to something and go, "How the hell am I going to do that?" Right. And then I front of you know the incredible drive of Tommy Aldridge on the drums and my incendiary you know guitar players, and it it just comes out. It's uh, it's it's uh, incredible. And irresistible for me to dig deep and go for it. Mm. Well, what what made you decide to go back and do some of these songs, like you said, from your early twenties? I mean, that's some really uh, great stuff to go back and revisit after all these years. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because this wasn't on my radar three years ago. Well, four years ago or whatever. In two thousand and twelve, uh, I received one of those awful phone calls you get when somebody you love. Uh, has, has been diagnosed with uh, cancer, mm-hmm. and and my beautiful uh, former fre- you know colleague, friend and former colleague in both Deep Purple and White Snake, John Lord, uh, his representative called me to tell me that John you know had, had been diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. which was chill- chilling uh, news. You know, there's certain things you expect certain people to be in your life all the time. He was undergoing treatment, determined to beat it, and his message to me was would you be up for doing uh, something purple-related once I get better? And it was impossible to deny. And I said, tell him I'm there for him, you know. And, and sadly, we lost John. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I also lost a beloved aunt at the time and, and a brother-in-law. So the Coverdale house had a black veil over it. It was uh, a very uh, challenging emotional time. Uh, and the epiphany I had, the very simple realization was, DC, you're too old to be carrying around animosity, bitterness, resentment, or whatever. So I gathered a bunch of imaginary olive branches and proceeded to mm-hmm. re- get in touch with people through my life privately and professionally, make amends and uh, right. kiss back up. And of course, one of the people I wanted to do that was with the founder member of uh, Deep Purple, uh, Richie Blackmore. Uh, the last time Richie and I had been in the same vicinity together, we had a physical confrontation, which was unsavory and unpleasant for both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that time on, there'd been kind of the occasional negative barb tossed backwards and forwards, which was always sad for me. But, you know, I'm an onwards and forwards guy, move on, you know. Right. Uh, the, uh, but it was really important for me to reach out to Richie to make amends, mm-hmm. you know, for... You know, I'd softened over the years, um, and the circumstance was uh, the sole agenda I had when uh, I got in touch with Richie was to commiserate on the loss of John, and uh, which was very hard for Richie too, of course. John right. was just a special man, 
Um, and the other one was to express my sincere gratitude for the unbelievably courageous decision that he and all the other guys in what well, it was Mark, Deep Purple Mark III uh, on giving an unknown singer uh, who'd never even made a record before hmm. uh, the, the, the lead singer frontman job with one of the biggest bands in the world. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling to think. Uh, and, you know, I had the opportunity of working with John Lord and Ian Pace in early Whitesnake, and I had almost daily communication with Glenn Hughes. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've offered up my gratitude to those guys, but been unable to do it with Richie. And that was my sole agenda, Christopher. There was no plans of, hey, what about getting the rest of Deep Purple? There was none of that. It wasn't even a thought. It was just life, how precious it is, and how not wanting to carry around animosity anymore. Is, Unfortunately, uh, it was a great and positive reconnection. Isn't it funny sometimes, though, when you go back to, to kind of make amends with some old friends that turn into enemies, and you start talking, you realize, why why were we so mad at each other in the first place? Things yeah, that, you yeah. know, when you're in your 20s, no. things don't seem as important anymore when you get in your 40s and 50s and 60s. Well, we've all got a percentage of twat in us, Christopher, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, I think dickhead, all that kind of stuff. All of those are elements, the human elements and frailties that we all have unless we, you know, exorcise them. You know, all of these things are possible, you know, particularly now when you have the, the wild west of the Internet mm -hmm. where percent of people who respond to oh i've come up with a cure for cancer you're gonna find some asshole who's gonna turn around and negate it right. you know they have this anonymous platform to be able to be that and, and it doesn't serve them it certainly doesn't come near me you know I, right. i've got flying out of every fucking orifice you know <laughs> with joy and celebration that i'm in a great marriage i have great kids i have great beautiful granddaughters you know my son's going to the college of our dreams i'm about to go on tour release a new album at 63 years old what have i got to complain about you know that's right <laughs> you know and, this, and it's, it's like a coming falls while i was mixing the album with red beach and uh, michael mcintyre I'm, I'm having this really palpable feeling of coming full circle you know and i've never had that in my life it felt really good you know to go Wow, you know, this is this is not to compare, it's not to compete. I'm not trying to outsing a twenty three year old David Coverdale. I'm just doing the best I can to honor, you know, the music mm -hmm. that I created with Deep Purple over forty years ago. You know, and a lot of the music I think is gonna be new to White Snake fans. Well, you know? I think you know you talk about that era of Deep Purple, and it is a little bit underrated in this time because you know everyone talks not about according, not according to my royalty statements. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's it's just not. Why you know the, the fans of Deep Purple, Christopher, are probably the most loyal on the planet. Uh -huh. They you know keep you know buying whatever compilations or barrel scraping the uh, the management of the of the you know the old management put out there you know they support them I, I still get gold records platinum records from compilation stuff and not only that but they've also continued to support all the bands that have spun out of the deep purple family tree right it's a breathtaking uh, foundation of support that you can't buy 
and, and like you said, that's just with with you know a, a, a fan base, a rabid fan base that I'm sure was would be quite interested. What was the first conversation like with, with Richie Blackmore when you reached out to him? Because he's become kind of like this mysterious figure, playing like minstrel songs, and you know he doesn't play yeah. rock music and doesn't really it doesn't really go out and do a lot when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, you know, Richie's always been uh, more internalized. Uh, you know, John Lord was, I, you know, these two were the colossi of Rhodes for me. Uh, John Lord taught me uh, charm and grace. Uh, and, and, and Richie, you know, and, and to explore chords more than just going, there's a C chord, there's a D chord, there's a G chord. You know, try a minor seventh, a major seventh or whatever. Beautifully balanced Renaissance man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if anybody should have been playing Renaissance music, it's probably John. But I know Richie, Richie and I shared a love in some of our very early conversations when I just got the gig, because he and I were primarily responsible for putting the music, the songs together. But, you know, you talk about, oh, what, what bands do you like? What songs, what music do you like as, as icebreakers, you know? Yeah. Uh, certainly at that time, that was one of the scenarios. And then you go, oh, great, you love traffic? Oh, fantastic. Do you like Jethro Tull, the early Jethro Tull? Yes, the one with the more bark of, you know, that stuff. <laughs> uh, so, and a lot of the songs Richie and I wrote were very modal. Is a musical expression to, for instance, I'll sustain a note as the chords change underneath me. An incredible uh, practitioner of that was Johann Sebastian Bach. So Richie's always had that love. And there's a song we wrote together called Soldier of Fortune, which is very much a Renaissance song that I've redone on uh, the Purple album. Mm-hmm. Um, very much a precursor of what he got into. But, you know, it was really interesting. We were both incredibly complimentary to each other about our careers. You know, 30 years is an awful lot of water that's gone under a particular bridge, you know? That's how long it was since you spoke last, 30 years ago? Well, since we punched the shit out of each other, yeah. <laughs> That was, you know, oh, a very challenging night. Wow. Yeah. Was there yeah. was there alcohol involved? Um, more than likely. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not, you know, that's one of the reasons that I'm reluctant to write my book, How White Was My Snake? Really, uh, <laughs> I'd have to name names and go into details and stuff, which, you know, would... Uh, you know, I don't know. I'd rather spread more positivism, to be honest, you know. Sure. And the other, I don't need the fucking money, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, when, but uh, when we you... continue talking, you know, that he's, he's a very insular man. He's one of the kind of musicians who literally uses his instrument to communicate. Hmm. And that, I honor that very much. So I've worked with a lot of musicians like that. I'm just Mr. Fucking Saturday Night. You know, I use music to express myself, but I have no trouble articulating the reasons for it or the reasons behind it or why I'm doing this and why I'm doing it for. Other people just say, there's my music. This is what I'm trying to say. Accept it or don't, you know? Right. Uh, But, you know, for instance, uh, Richie asked me to talk with his manager because I think he was uncomfortable about asking if I'd be interested in in doing a project together. Wow. that was, well, yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I had no agenda there. I hadn't dug out the purple CDs at that time. Um, it was literally his manager who said, can you keep a secret? I said, you're fucking kidding. I'm a singer, you know, we're the biggest <laughs> sluts in the, in the industry. You know, the only thing I do, I tell all, all my songs are like diaries, Christopher, you know. 
But uh, she asked, would I be interested in doing a project with Richie? And I went, well, I must say that wasn't anything to do with why I, I, I was in touch. I said, but uh, would it be something like I did with Jimmy Page, like Blackmore Coverdale? I said, that could harness the music of Rainbow, Whitesnake, and Deep Purple. Or are you looking at a purple thing? And she said, well, let me ask you, would you go with Roger Glover or Glenn Hughes? And I said, well, I love Roger Glover. I did two solo albums with him. But my soul brother is Glenn Hughes. We came into purple together, you mm, know? Right. We, I swear to God. All the shit in the world, you know, as, 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 as these walk deities back in the day. It was, uh, and preferably I would prefer to remember the, uh, the more positive aspects. And that was really cool doing the Purple album, having positive uh, reconnects and vivid, vivid recalls from over 40 years ago that I'd really just put out of my mind, out of my heart. You know, but anyway, so what did he say when, when, when you started talking about doing a project? What is, is that still? Well, on the go you know, be, well, we never we never got to any kind of final thing because, you know, I'd, I'd suggested Keith Emerson as keyboard player. Uh, him and John Lord had a friendly musical rivalry back in the day. And Richie thought that was a really cool idea. Um, and I think he would have been accepted perfectly by the, uh, the Purple fans. Uh, an, an amazing player that, you know, looks great and sounds great to this day. But, you know, the further and further we spoke, the more I was going, oh, my God, I can't share this vision. And, you know, Christopher, I'm at a time in my life that I'm, I'm really, truly only going to do what I want to do. It's not a time for me to compromise, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and, and still, at that time, I'd been doing preparatory work, listening to these songs and going, oh, I hope he's up for giving, you know, some of these songs a little little dust off. And, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've been saying, calling it the House of Purple. It's, it's the same house, but a nice coat of paint with a snakeskin rug, perhaps, in front of the fireplace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, you know, just stuff like that. Nothing outrageous or whatever. Uh, and I worked on a beautiful acoustic arrangement of a song Richie and I wrote called Sail Away which I thought at the time this might be a great duet and uh, with Richie's wife, Candice, who sings with him in Blackmore, Blackmore's Night. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, all of these things, but it was like, it just didn't ring my, it wasn't ringing my bell. Were, were so, you, were you pl like trying to, or planning on doing like another version of Deep Purple? Because you mentioned Keith Emerson. No, just doing your own no, band. Oh, no. This was uh, the idea of uh, Richie and I coming together I, it could have been either. A, well, Deep Purple is actually utilized now by the current touring band. So sure, that that's what I mean. Yeah. More confusion. Yeah. You know, which is why I thought maybe Blackmore Coverdale or Got it. Purple or the Deeps. I don't know. You know, Purple Mind Snake. You, when, yeah, totally. When uh, <laughs> when um, when Richie left the band, I, you know, I almost went with him to to do the Rainbow thing, but my loyalty kept me where I was. But. You know, I remember my meeting with the management and the, the remaining members of the band in Munich in a hotel. And the, my first words were, well, may I suggest that we change the band name? Oh, well, fuck, all hell broke loose. <laughs> you know, are you kidding? The manager goes, are you fucking kidding? It's the biggest name in rock. Why would you change it? I said, because Blackmore is not here. <laughs> the iconic guitar player with Deep Purple. Right. You know? And uh, I said, I was just thinking of Purple or the fucking Deep. <laughs> Not exactly, you know, the Wildcats. 
you know, William the Wildcats. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, how was it for you, David, when you when you first came into to Deep Purple? You mentioned that you'd never been in, uh, in a recorded band before, and you come into one of the biggest bands in the world. What was that like for a young guy? I mean, you must the, the decadence must have been off the charts for one. Oh, beyond, yeah, yeah. I mean, to talk about five guys in an unsaturated market flying around with flight attendants fired from commercial airlines for sex offenses. Whoa, <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> but the, uh, no, no, the guys were great. John, you know, I did a lot of the music sitting with Richie mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and hung out a great deal with the incredible inspirational John Lord, who was just this, Beautiful guy, bon vivant, raconteur, you know, we would, he introduced me to elements of classical music that I was unaware of, wines that I'd never tasted in my life, <laughs> you know, he's a life changer. I fucking loved him, Good. you know, as much as one butch man could love another, you know? <laughs> but he was a huge inspiration for me for, for more reasons that I can say. And, and I truly loved him, and I truly miss him. Uh, he's as alive as, as they come in my heart. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I did not... I don't know whether you noticed, Christopher, when you played the record, uh, but I kept a low profile on keyboard. Yeah. It was, you know, I, put, uh, I focused on the twin guitar attack with Reb and Joel mm-hmm. and an rhythm section of Michael Devin and Tommy Aldridge. Tommy Aldridge said the bar, dude. He came in here with the attitude of a 20-year-old punk. I saw everyone go, you know. <laughs> well, you've been playing with him since the 80s. Oh, my God. He was, uh, well, Tommy was on the bill when I did the California Jam over 40 years ago. We- he was in Black Oak, Arkansas. There you go. I was going to ask you but about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've quite the journey, old T.A. and I. But, uh, yeah, but he set the energy bar. Everyone's, like, playing it. It sounds great. And then Tommy gets on the kit, and it's like a panzer division coming out here. Oh, my God, you know. Everybody had to up the game, and it was uh, it was great. So a salute to Tommy Aldridge, without why, a doubt. Why did you choose to, to uh, have the keyboards kind of secondary rather than up front? Because John Lord's sonic identity was such an important part of the Deep Purple identity. Mm-hmm. I didn't even want to attempt to recreate it. I don't know whether it was more an emotional decision or functional, practical decision. It just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I actually uh, I brought in a guy, a session guy called Derek Hilland, a very gifted player. Uh, and I'd give him the story up front. He was totally like Rick Wakeman influence and John Lord and, and Emerson. And... Uh, and I said, it's definitely going to be a, a muted, just layered aspect. And I'm definitely going for the more epic songs to build it more orchestrally than we did in the old days. Mm. You know, just adding a few more colors. And he was called down with that and to the point where, okay. And he takes a scorching solo in Burn and a song called You Keep On Moving. But the predominant focus are my guitar players, of course. Gotcha. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 
You're listening to Talk is Jericho. Tell yeah. us about the, the California Jam. And that's one of the biggest shows of all time. And it's one of my favorite yeah. gigs watching Deep Purple and Blackmore just flips out and made it so, oh. so, so cool. Wow. Tell us about that day. Like, how many people were there? Well, I think it was actually, uh, legally, I think it was only supposed to be 200,000 or something, but it was over 400,000 we got. Good Lord. Uh, they were running, uh, when I remember distinctly, vividly, the meeting in a purple office at 25 Newman Street in London, West One, uh, when we were offered this uh, truckload of cash to headline this first California jam. And Richie said, the only uh, condition I make is we're the first band to use lights. Oh. That was his, yeah. And like, I'm going, with the, you know, because it was a whole learning experience for me. Right. Uh, oh, he'd been at shows and stuff, festivals where every band looks exactly the same in the daylight. And the first time the audience truly lights up is when lights come on and they're all focused on that one spot. So we actually, as much as we were headlining it, we went on before the end. But there was all hell broke loose backstage. You know, on the contract, we had to stay at the Ontario Holiday Inn every act uh, mm -hmm. the night before to be, you know, on, relatively on site. Mm -hmm. And Richie and I were standing on, outside our rooms, leaning on the balcony, watching this endless traffic jam, just and, and looking at each other and going, well, at least we know there's a few people going to be there. Because <laughs> it was nonstop all night. And what both of us were doing was timing the sunset. To oh. see what time we'd be on the next day. Okay. You know, oh, that does it. We'll be on at six forty or whatever it is. So off we go to our rooms for various amounts of mischief. Um, so we flew in by helicopter. We're all backstage. Richie always had his own trailer, and some of our security guys came in and said, "Oh, there's a chick called Linda Lovelace wants to meet you guys," and nobody had heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Famous porn oh star, God, deep throat herself. Yeah, deep throat. Nobody had heard of her until Warners had sent us out a bunch of vi videos for our private plane, the Starship. And when we were flying off, somebody put, oh, I've heard of this called deep throat. That's when we went, here, wasn't that the chick who was, go, turn the plane, you know, one of that. But I was given a check for a million dollars, which was the advance for Burn, the U.S. advance. And it was decided to keep that in my ass pocket because I was pretty much in camera all the time. Wow. So, known how close to the Mexican border I was, I should have done a fucking run of them and be become a fisherman. Yes, forever. <laughs> <laughs> forever with senoritas and senoras. Yes, margaritas. Um, but, uh, but it was really interesting. They were trying to run the TV, uh, the, the show, uh, brilliantly. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a live broadcast. And they had two stages on this big railway track, huge stages that when one act finished, the, uh, you didn't have to wait for the, the equipment to be cleared. They just rolled the stage across gotcha. and the next band to go. So for a, a live broadcast, it was amazing. <laughs> so the director comes running and goes, okay, you're on. And everybody goes, who? And Richie goes, I'm not going on. And I remember him sitting there with his white strat on the lap, sitting down, just doing scales and on his guitar. He goes, no. I agreed to do this at sunset, and that's when we're going on. Oh, my God. The shit hit the fan in every possible variety of colors. Wow. Uh, this guy was threatening, do you know who we are? Do you know who's behind ABC? Do you know, you know, I will guarantee you will never work. And all the threats were breathtaking. Wow. 
I mean, serious threats. And Richie, I salute him, held his own. And the guy went, that's it, I'm pulling the plug. And we had a German, he's a German promoter now, works with the Klitschko brothers, mm -hmm. uh, called Ozzy Hoppy. He was our tour manager. He ran like the wind, uh, climbed this ridiculously high stage, and beat the guy to the microphone to say, you want to see Deep Purple? <laughs> you know, yeah. and the place went batshit, so the guy just went, you know. <laughs> uh, but throughout the show, Richie and I had discussed, as the most mobile, that we'd work the front of the stage, because it was just an incredibly deep stage. And it was very high, were, too, right? It was very yeah, high. It was ridiculous. Well, first off, we had them close the press enclosure. The actual audience was like half a mile away. Hmm. And all rock, audio, all rock shows, you know, depend entirely on the call and response of a musician and the audience. Right. If you, you can't hear or see the audience, you don't have a vibe to perform, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's my thing anyway. So Richie and I went, we'll step over the camera tracks and work the crowd, which if you see the video, that's what we do. But throughout the show, the cameraman on Richie's side of the stage is screaming rather rude, limey remarks, get back in camera, I can't shoot you, just throughout. And Richie, if you see, goes into some beautiful little quiet passages. And to have this guy just, mm. just screaming at him from the side, this cameraman, that's when he decided to uh, attack the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it cost us 75 grand, Christopher, but the best promotion still to this day, you know? And Absolutely. We all the videos that we shot for the Purple Album, there's four of them, um, a song called Sail Away, in the background on this big TV I have at my studio, uh, we're playing some excerpts of that just in the background you can't really discern it and we're watching it and stuff it's and at the end of a, a track called uh, lady double dealer we smashed this glass in front of the camera all of this is all all elements related to deep purple and 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 the tribute to them tying in these other things it's not copying or whatever it's a tribute it's, yeah, because Richie went nuts. He, he smashed his guitar and oh, the yeah, camera. Oh, yeah, he it. And then the camera backs up, and it looks like some kind of dinosaur, like <laughs> leaning over with a big deer in it. It but, was great. But then great. He, he sets the, the, the one guitar down, and then the amp explodes. Well, they actually, God bless Ronnie Quinton, his uh, guitar tech at that time. We've lost him now, sadly. Mm. Beautiful boy. Uh, sadly, um, he was putting in the pyro, <laughs> and... <laughs> And Richie went, oh, put a bit more in. And, and he'd already put a bit more in. So it just blew. We were all deaf. It blew the drummer's glasses off. I don't even know if we found them. Singed, if you see, totally singed Richie's back in his hair. It was, yeah, but it was great TV, you know. And thankfully, no one was hurt. Well, that's kind of, I, I was wondering if that was actually a planned thing, because he was going so nuts, I thought maybe the feedback from the guitar just blew out one of those old tube amps from behind. Well, the worst, no, I know, but the worst thing in the world is to tell you the, you know, if you see <laughs> yeah. the behind the scenes of Gardens of Guardians of the Galaxy, you don't want to know that that's not re a real creature called Groot, you know, <laughs> just, it's believability, you know. <laughs> so well, yeah, he did overdrive the amps. So that's like, what happened. Exactly. <laughs> we'll say, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> how was it for you? I mean, you talk about how things were huge, private jets, fine wines, playing yeah. in front of 400,000 people. And then a year and a half later, Richie leaves the band. Um, yeah. That must have been quite a blow for you as, as a young rock star who now has this uns- uh, future uncertain. Well, I knew. You know, we talked about me going with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, you know, big loyalty to John and Ian and Glenn. Um I remember standing, Richie's last show uh, with us was in Paris. And I was standing behind his amps going, you know, I've, I've, I've had a, such a great ride, man. Thank you so much. I wish you every, it was really nice and positive. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Richie wanted more control. And, and it was something he wasn't going to get. With. He didn't like the funky black stuff that was creeping into purple. Um, he wanted to be much more straightforward, harness more. Really, if you listen to the first Rainbow album, if you take the electrics out, it could very much be a Renaissance album. I agree. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, great songs. And if Ronnie, of course, I've loved and, and, uh, and miss him too. So it was a perfect vehicle for Richie. I know that Whitesnake's the perfect vehicle for me. You know, I do what I want. And that's really what Richie wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I could really understand that. And, you know, but even then, there was still the naivety of saying, well, let's continue, but under a different name. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually brought the uh, potential uh, guitarists. I had a list of three names that I brought to uh, to the same meeting with the management and uh, the remaining members of the band. The first name was Jeff Beck. Wow. Uh, I didn't know Jeff as well. Oh, Jeff, I'm the biggest fan in the world of Jeff, you know, still. I've always loved Jeff completely and utterly. Um uh, Je- uh, and John and Ian had, had, you know, they knew Jeff significantly better than I did, uh, and they felt that in terms of character and challenging personality, it would have, as they said, after Richie, it would be like jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Hmm. Uh, Do you think he would have done it if you would have asked oh, I him? Have no, I have no idea. Yeah. That was what, who I felt would be the A next good mix. step, yeah. you know? I've, I've never really been compromised by change, Christopher. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the way of things. I look out the window. Last week, I had no leaves on these trees, and right now, they're shimmying, shaking. You know, in a in a <laughs> spring breeze, like like sexy belly dancers. Um, but uh, so, who was so the, the second se- name on the list? The second name was Rory Gallagher, a wow. beautiful Irish blues guitar player, strat player, mm-hmm. uh, who I knew was a real really nice guy. Uh, the guys didn't share that vision. Uh, and the third name I had was this guitar player I'd been hearing on. I'm a big jazz fan, mm-hmm. you know, jazz stuff. Uh, I'd been listening to uh, Alphonse Mouzon, an album called Mind Transplant. You know, this is what, 75? What are we looking at? 74? Yeah, about 75, yeah. Uh, and of course, the uh, astonishing Billy Cobham Spectrum album. Uh, and on both albums, I was, I was very taken with a guitar player who was refreshing. It was very fresh playing. It wasn't Richie. Richie's unique. You know, mm-hmm. this was, like, for, the, for instance, Deep Purple Mark II was huge. The management was scared to death uh, that the, the three guys, Richie, John, and Ian, what, Ian Pace, wanted to change, wanted to have a change which is why they brought Glenn Hughes and me in. Hmm. They wanted to do something different. I brought blues, you know, uh, and some soul, and Glenn definitely brought in soul and funk, you know. Yeah, two uh, singers. But, yeah, yeah, two good. Yeah, the, and we were the original Righteous Brothers, you know. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, I think the Righteous Brothers were actually around at that time. But we'll say that though. You're the original. No, You're... no, we were the no, we were the unrighteous brothers. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Not, not, nothing to take from Bill Medley. Are you kidding me? I love, I love those guys. But the um, but yeah. So I didn't even know if this was a six year old session guy. I just you know I just thought. This was a, a really fresh guitar player, you know? Mm-hmm. So I played, I went up to my room and brought down this compilation tape that I had, and I played a couple of tracks, and everybody went, yeah, let's go for him. And that, that was when we began the search for Tommy Bolin, which ended up, you know, I used to live uh, out Malibu, Trancas Way, back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and he was living like 10 minutes from me, but we couldn't find him for months. <laughs> You know, and he came down to the audition, like, with multicolored toenails and fingernails, multicolored hair. He had platform sole sandals on, Egyptian Arabian nights, um, green, lime green, sparkly pants. You know, he's yeah. just a vision. And he walks up to this wall of marshals and, and just walks down them, turning everything up to 11 and hit a chord. And everybody jumped up and got on their instrument. <laughs> it was just destiny, you know. Was it a hard sell, though, to have Tommy in the band after Richie left? Well, Tommy's challenges were manifold. They had, you know, he'd replaced Joe Walsh in the James Gang, which oh. I, I didn't know. Uh, I knew, you know, the James Gang very much with Walsh. I was a huge fan. Yeah. So, you know, there were times when he was doing James Gang shows, people would be going, where's Joe? And he'd had cards made with the management address of Joe Walsh, and he'd just throw them <laughs> into the audience. You know, right. I, and I, count, I counseled him that perhaps that wouldn't be such a good idea, you know. <laughs> but that, that's it. Richie was absolutely iconic, you know. That's right, yeah. If ever, you know, if ever there is, uh, which I would certainly support, uh, to go with John Lord's dream, and as the ultimate uh, expression of gratitude to the astonishing support of, of Deep Purple and the, and the Splinter Groups, you know, for, mm-hmm. for over 40 years. If everybody wanted, all surviving members came together for a show or a, a short tour, you know, I'd be on board. I'd be honored to share the stage and the microphone with uh, Ian again and with Roger and Ian Gillen. You know, I have absolutely no problems there. I think the gesture would be breathtaking uh, in its scope. Oh, yeah. How cool would that be? But Richie would have to be involved. Yes. You know, that's the huge thing. To me, that's, you know, it's like taking Whitesnake out without me, you right. know. It, uh, not to blow my own trumpet, but well, there you go. It wouldn't be half as sexy without you. God, my baby, you speak <laughs> my language. <laughs> but, but let, let's talk about Whitesnake. I mean, uh, over the years, I mean, it's so funny to me to this day. Uh, whenever Here I Go Again is played, I mean, people yeah. go freaking nuts for it. Yeah. You know, it's in every movie where, where if you want a feel-good song, that's the song that gets played. Uh, well, the, you, it's, it, it's funny, Christopher. The only time I passed on a sync license for that was for a quarter of a million dollars from a Canadian fiber company. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I don't want to be playing Here I Go Again and have 5,000 people run to the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real? That's very I'm very, very careful about where I allow, you know, our songs to be utilized so they're not compromised, the integrity of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really important to me. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that Will Ferrell did. Will Ferrell was 
incredibly supportive of White Snake and White Snake references in a lot of his movies. You know, so giving him Hero Girl again was a no-brainer. You know. But I'm very protective of uh, of the catalogue, without a doubt. I, I mean, especially too, like I grew up, you know, as as a kid of the '80s as a metal fan, and White Snake was always like, you guys always had great tunes, especially the '87 album, especially Slide It In, and you always had such a great looking band. Was that something you kept an eye on when you brought someone in? Like the guy had to be like a certain look at least. Oh well, well, I didn't actually. To be perfectly honest, the look aspect was secondary that worked uh, in abundance for us with MTV coming into uh, right. coming into play in uh, uh, the mid to late 80s. No, I'd, uh, I'd seen Vivian Campbell working uh, with Dio, and I thought he was a great player. Adrian Vandenberg and I had been talking about working together for many years. Tommy Aldridge and Rudy Sarzo, you know. Mm-hmm. These guys, I look at musicians, and if, uh, if there's a good image all power to it you know and it just came in to be that the videos those guys made with me became massive and still are in a lot of consciousness you know uh and mtv saved us doing five years hard road work you know but Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't uh it it wasn't primarily what i look for is and and we do tons of homework about musicians before we even open dialogue with them find out habits, you know, how are they, you know, I'm well connected with crews just through my, the longevity of my career, I can call up and go, how was it working with so-and-so, mm-hmm. oh, the guy's an asshole, don't even think about it, you know, the guy's a bloke monkey, forget, all of these elements before we even open dialogue, and then the bonus is, if they look good, fuck it, you know, right. <laughs> I always had uh, a very healthy percentage of of babes, you know, and I'd rather do that. I don't want to be singing slide it into a bunch of guys. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slightly. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> it was it, it was always uh, interesting to me too. Um, you recorded the you know the the, the eighty seven White Snake record with John Sykes, then went on tour. Oh yeah, Johnny. Yeah, and and he was not in the band at that point in time. Same thing happened with the Slip of the Tongue record. You recorded that. Uh, actually, no, you recorded that with with. No, Van- no, Slip of the Tongue. Yeah, we had with. Sadly, Adrian had hurt his wrist. Right. We'd written the songs. That was, that was tough for me, that one. But we were, you know, we waited for three months for his wrist to heal. And, and just, you know, and I'd seen, I actually wanted to approach Vi while I was still working with John Sykes. Mm. I'd, I'd seen Vi with, uh, I don't know whether you remember a Ralph Macchio movie. Uh, Crossroads. Crossroads, yeah. yeah. Where Steve plays the devil's guitar slinger, I'm going, oh my God, I want that guy, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and Sykes and I sadly just didn't connect. We had our moments of, uh, uh, of great stuff, and certainly, as you can hear, we wrote some really good classic um, music together, yeah, but we just didn't, you know, connect as people, and, uh, and that happens, you know, to the point where. It was very easy for me to go, you know, I'm taking this and changing the dynamic. But, you know, John, is, there's no question, John, everybody, I must say, Christopher, that's come through, you know, what appears to be an ever-revolving door, uh, has brought something to the party. Every single one of them. And I truly appreciate the whole thing. You know, I've always encouraged people to 
spread their wings and fly. Mm-hmm. If somebody decides to shit in the nest, the party's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the rumor was, and I don't know if this is true, it's something I always wanted to ask you, that when you went and got Steve Vai, obviously he was very popular at the time. He just finished with David Lee Roth, and he had a very popular solo record, that you paid him a, a big amount of money to join the band, almost like a free agent uh, to a sports team. Is there any, is there any validity to that? No, no, not that I remember. Okay, um, yeah, we, we always said the rumors that David Coverdale paid by $1 million to join White Snake. Well, it wasn't that we couldn't afford it. We were farting <laughs> money in those days, you know. Uh, right. Yeah, but no, I would have had to have turned around and given all my other guys a million dollars too, so it doesn't like <laughs> You know, but uh, I, I encouraged Stephen to, uh, to, 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 to finish his solo album as we were working on uh, on the slip of the tongue thing and release it the same day and I think he uh, he got a I contributed some ideas to Passion and Warfare mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah I had uh, Stevens are you kidding me he's like the Paganini yeah astonishing you know but I did realize uh, after the event that I re- as, as talented as my guitar players are I didn't need anyone quite so technically driven you know um, yeah. When I hear the uh, uh, the original demos that uh, Adrian and I wrote, it was much more solid driving rock, whereas there was with no nowhere near the kind of guitar tapestries. But at the time, I was very taken with them, as Jimi Hendrix is my muse, and it reminded me of the uh, guitar tapestries that uh, Jimi had put on uh, Axis uh, Axis Builders Love. You know, right. He, Incredible musical guy, but truly Steve is a solo artist, and, and he's, he's absolutely doing what he should be doing, which is unfettered guitar genius. You know, my stuff, it's like you mentioned earlier, wow, these were great songs. My parameter at anything is that we are in service to the song. You know, if somebody is using a good song as an excuse to show off as a drummer, keyboard player, whatever, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses. You know, back off. You're compromising the chorus. Or, and of course, I learned from Miles Davis that nobody should play over the singer. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, even Miles Davis. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we've always focused on songs, you know, right. and that's. Well, well, that's the thing. It doesn't matter who's writing it or who's playing it. All that matters is the final product of the song itself. Absolutely. The first thing that anybody wants to, any guitar player that comes into Whitesnake, the first thing they want to do is jam on Still of the Night. The first thing. (laughs) You know, it's such a boner lick, you know. Completely. That's it. Yeah, it's the the song. And that's, that's one of the strengths of, you know, Whitesnake. Images and musicians grow old, perhaps amusing or whatever, but songs can live forever. I mean, Here I Go Again is about the breakdown of my first marriage. Although now it's like one of the biggest rock anthems on the planet. Yeah, completely. Now it's, it's something that started out with a sad lyric for you. That's now one of the happiest things that ever happened to you, I'm sure, once again when you get those royalty checks. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it helps me live like a Saudi Arabian prince, dear heart. <laughs> Couple final questions, David. So, yeah, you know, the, the new, uh, it was one of, the, one of the coolest things when you finally got Whitesnake up and rolling again. I guess it's been about 10 years ago now. Once again, still a stellar lineup, no matter who's in the band. You always choose great musicians. Uh, and you're getting ready to go out to tour with the Purple album. How do you decide what, what the set list is going to be? Is it a combination of the Purple songs and the, and the Snake songs? 
Oh, that's what it's going to be. It is our primarily a white snake show, but of course, everyone to a man wants to do the entire uh, Purple album. I'm going, no, no <laughs> back off, you know. Um, so I think it's probably, I don't know the percentage, probably 65% from the Purple record. You know, I've got the guys out there. They're all such gifted players, Christopher. You know, they'll, they'll chart out these songs and have them, you know, we'll jam on them at rehearsals. Some things you go, oh, man, this is going to be great to perform live. And then you start performing and go, you know what? This doesn't seem to be connected. Right. You know? Yeah. So you've got to leave some space for oxygen, you know, to go, okay, as much as I want to do this, it doesn't fit, you know? Mm. Uh, but, but it truly is. All my guys, you know, we're all in, in solid daily communication now about, what about trying this? What about trying that? My guitar players, Red Beach and Joel Hoekstra, they're FaceTiming, shredding, made the decisions, who's going to do what solos. You know, it's a dream for me that they're getting on with it so I can do this stuff, you know? Do you have uh, um, other guys that sing in the band? Because I know sometimes as a singer, I mean, especially Dude, when you're talking about... You're talking are about... you kidding me? These are all lead singers. Right. I'm, I've got my work cut out. Red well, Beat sang all of the duet stuff with me that I did with Glenn back in the day without copying Glenn, you know? Yeah. He's just super harmony singer. He went to MIT... You know, he's the new band leader. Joel Hoekstra is just farts, you know, creativity. <laughs> you know, he, it's no, it truly is. And he came in. If you listen to uh, Storm when you hear this, come in my way, come in your way. <laughs> yeah, that's him. You know, the new keyboard players like the Fatterotti of rock, you know, and uh, Michael Devon uh, is a, they're all potential lead singers. You know, so if I go, I'm out of breath here. Right. <laughs> Yeah, or th th this note was easy to hit in 1975, and it's not as easy now in 2015. Can you? Can oh you... my God! <laughs> well, one of the things with Glenn and I, we'd we'd swap lines, verses, or whatever. It was, you know, some of it I thought worked magnificently, and other things it should have been just Glenn or I singing. Right. You know, but all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it's to me right now, rather than going, oh my God, I've got to prove it. I don't. I'm just going to go out and have fun with my band. Absolutely. I'll come out and see Whitesnake because it is, I guarantee we're going to have a blast. Well, that's what it is. That's what live rock and roll is about. You know what I mean? You've got a great band. You've got a great legacy and a great set list. And you're, you're not exactly a, a, sh a shrinking violet on stage. You have, you have a little personality No, on stage. no. I've got my, yes, I've got my <laughs> penis extension with my microphone stand. That's something. <laughs> Don't change, you know. <laughs> two two final questions. I want to ask you. Yes, if, I want to ask you if you remember this. Now, okay, 1987. It was the uh, Girls, Girls, Girls tour. Motley Crue oh, op opening yes. band White Snake, Winnipeg, Canada. You're singing a song, and as soon as the song ends, you go. I'm sorry, guys. I've got the worst case of diarrhea right now. I got to leave the stage. I'll be right back. You left the stage. The band. Are you shitting? Oh, <laughs> no, you were Are shitting. You kidding me? I I have done. I tell you what, maybe select memory, but fuck it out. Go, go, go. Tell me more. Well, you left the stage, and you're like, boys, it's up to you. And the band played. It was Vivian and Adrian, the guys. And then you came, oh. you came, you came back on. They said, "I feel so much better. Let's rock." Just, just a second, Christopher. <laughs> hang on, Michael. You were with me, Winnipeg, '87. Did I have to leave the stage because I had diarrhea, or is he just winding me up? <laughs> I can't remember ever squid. Oh, he's no, he's not going to commit because you were looking after Rudy in those days. I, my my cousin Chad and hey, I. 
I think maybe the mushrooms had kicked in, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you had to go off stage and grab another handful. I don't know. Oh, but my God. My, my, somebody's spitting visine in your drinks, yeah. <laughs> my okay, your last one, because I've got to go. I last one. Go. Fa- favorite song to play live uh, nowadays? Oh, God. Uh, well, the most amazing song to play live anywhere in the world is Here We Go Again. Gotcha. It's uh, the White Snake Choir is in full throat, full soul, full heart. It's like being in a huge cathedral. Remember the days that used big lights? Now it's fucking iPhones, but That's right. it's still like this incredible rock and roll cathedral. And everyone, everyone has a different story to how Hero Go Again affected them. Right. You know, that it came in at a particular time of the life or whatever. And that to me as a writer, it's it's so humbling. Uh, and and I'm, I'm so honored that uh, I still have an opportunity to go out there with great players and tell my stories to you guys. Well, thank you for telling your stories today, David. You are a true gentleman, my friend, my, my love. <laughs> Bless your heart, Mr. Jericho. Hopefully we'll cross swords shortly. I hope so, my friend. Thank you, sir. Cheers, love. Thank you. All right, thanks to David Coverdale. <laughs> All right, Christopher. <laughs> I've already been talking with him on the Twitter, and he's been uh, calling me Christopher there, too. White Snakes, the Purple Tour, launches May 28th in the United States. You can find out all the dates online, and they're taking it around the world, and it's all in support of the new studio record, the Purple Album. David re, uh, revamping, reinventing his Deep Purple classics. That's available on Amazon now. If you want to get the new White Snake record, do me a solid and, and buy it using my Amazon links, all right? Go to podcast1.com, click on the Keep Our Support, our show sponsors banner at the top of the podcast. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the U.S., the U.K., the Canada A. It's the easiest way to support the show and get some new tunes in the process. I always love hearing Coverdale sing. He's one of the best singers in rock and roll history. And now we're going to get to hear him revisit his classic Deep Purple tunes like Burn. uh, Such cool, cool songs. Whenever you buy anything using Amazon, whatever it may be, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the purchase to TIJ. You're not paying anything extra, no hidden fees or extra charges. You get the same great Amazon price and service and you're helping me out too okay do you want a beautiful lawn enter true green the easiest way to get a great lawn just water and mow and they'll do the rest weed control fertilization aeration and more true green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the pga tour and they have a verified best price which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality you do you let true green do your lawn care visit truegreen.com T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Because we got a bunch coming up this summer, including a headlining gig tonight. May 22nd at the Jefferson Theater in Beaumont, Texas. That's just a Fozzie show. You get to see a full Fozzie set. No place you'd rather be on a Friday night if you live in Beaumont. We're going to tear the house down, drink some beer, have some fun, jump up and down. Trust me, man, you don't want to miss out. And then tomorrow night, we're back up with Slash. May 23rd, the House of Blues in Houston, Texas. Then Sunday night, wrap up the very short tour. Southside Ballroom in Dallas, May 24th. Both those shows are either sold out or almost sold out. So please get your tickets now. Come see us rock with Slash on our audition. And if you come and you're a fan of our band, I want you to chant Fozzie in between the shows. Let all Slash's fans know 
which band you want to see with Slash out there again. All right. Thank you so much for the June 25th. We continue. Val Air Ballroom in Des Moines, Iowa. June 26th at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Sioux City, Iowa. July 24th at the Square in Kitchener, Ontario. August 9th. Actually, sorry, I think it's August 7th. Heavy Montreal in Montreal. We're playing on the Friday night with Corn as the headliner. And then, of course, October 30th, we go out with Kiss on the Kiss Cruise. That's also sold out. Doesn't mean I have to stop bragging about it. We're playing with Kiss. We're playing with Kiss. <laughs> All right, man. It's so funny because this week was the uh, re- uh, revenge rever- anniversary of Revenge, my favorite Kiss record that came out in 1992, and I think the 35th anniversary of Unmasked, which came out in 1980. So those albums are getting uh, older and older and older, man. But we are rocking with Kiss. It's going to be excited. And once again, thanks to all of you for listening to this show for free for twice a week. Go check out all of our great sponsors, Nature Box, Recovery Max, DDP Yoga, True Car, of course, Amazon. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Support Our Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page. Eh? Then click on Talk is Jericho. You see all three of my Amazon links, USA, UK, Canada A. Eh? Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. We'll see you next Wednesday. For Jesse, the body Ventura. Yeah, that's the guy who influenced me to get into wrestling. He gave me the best advice I ever uh, ever got. He said, if you want to make it in wrestling, be ready to live every day in pain. <laughs> he was right. Great story about how I met him on the streets of Winnipeg back in 1988 and the advice he gave me that I still use to this day. Jesse was a great guest. We recorded it a while ago, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about, not just wrestling, but conspiracy theories. He's really into that. The JFK assassination, 9-11, the Pentagon, and the Manhattan Project. It's an interesting, different conversation with the governor, Jesse Ventura, next week. We'll see you then, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.